Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Tyler, and this week we are going to be talking about science and specifically science you can find around your house. And to do that, I have brought on Stephanie Ryan. Hello, Stephanie. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I, I got an email in my inbox uh, proposing this idea and I was just like, oh yes, I grabbed it up right away. <laughs> um, so I really appreciate you uh, reaching out. And um, before we get started talking about science, I would love to hear your background and, and your journey with kids. Absolutely. Um, My background in science started back when I was a kid. So my dad is an engineer and he always really encouraged science. And so I got to go to all these really fun science camps Mm -hmm. and demo days and things like that. And it really just getting science from that perspective instead of just the way it was presented in school really shaped my life. And through a series of different experiences in life, I ended up um, becoming a TA in chemistry for nursing students. And I was like, I really like this. And I had a teacher pull me aside and she said, hey, I think you have a knack for this. Have you considered teaching? No, I actually hadn't, you know? And so I was at a small college. They were able to fast track me in the teaching program. I was able to do goodness, it was lots and lots of coursework (laughs) to be able to catch back up my junior year. But I ended up um, learning how to be a chemistry teacher because chemistry was my background. And I ended up going to graduate school for education and um, how people learn science. So it got a little more generic instead of just chemistry. I opened it up because you look at K-12 and there's a variety of concepts in it. It's not just chemistry. Um, And so I opened it up and I look at how people learn different aspects of science. And then I ended up in the assessment world a little bit of standardized assessments and thinking of how we can know what students know by what they answer and then how we can help them understand it better um, in the curricular materials. So I've got this educational background there 
And then I became a parent (laughs) and, um, I'm happy to say a lot of my ideas I, I did see like with, um, I see them in my child. So I feel the formative assessment way of approaching it is a great idea. Um, but there are also some things that I noticed that I hadn't thought of before, such as these skills developing much earlier in children. Mm. So I was watching my son play while I was also writing some items or doing some research and writing some items. And I thought about it and my son was sorting his toys like little one and two year olds do into piles of like red toys and blue toys. So he was separating them and classifying by color. And I thought to myself, whoa, a lot of science is actually just classifying things. In fact, that was kind of what I was about to do in items was classifying matter. Like, is this an atom or a molecule? Is this a uh, pure substance or a compound and things like that? I thought, wow, if they can do this so young, I bet we might be able to have books that are for kids that do this. And so I looked in the, there's the science niche market of science um, books for babies. So you can look up science for babies and there's just like a boatload of them, but they used to just be for us nerds (laughs) who had kids. And so it would be like your chemist friend had a baby and, oh, okay, here's some nerdy books for your baby. And there's this genre. And I was like, well, I don't think this should just be for this group of people. I think all kids could do this. So I sat down and I thought to myself, like, what other concepts could we do? And I made a bunch of PowerPoint slides that I still have that someday I might do something with, but at the moment, (laughs) but of just like all the ways science classifies things and just how important that skill is. And so I started to approach things in that way of like these just natural skills kids have. And kids are little scientists. (laughs) They really are. Yeah. (laughs) And they approach things that way. And if this didn't work, let's try that. And why does the world work this way? And using science as a tool for them at this age is such a great time to do it too, because then it's showing them that it's not just facts in a book and that it's all around them. And that a lot of the stuff that they see their parents do is actually governed by science. Um, Mm. So like even mom getting stains out of clothes and stuff like that, that's science. And so that was kind of my journey was, I moved a little younger in my, the, my leanings and what I ended up doing. So now I focus a lot on science experiments for kids who are really small and how you might um, do that with two children. Like if you have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, how you might do that, or just encouraging parents to really jump in and do science. (laughs) Yes. I love that. And I completely agree with you about kids are already being little scientists. Like we watch them all the time, right? They push the ball, the ball rolls, They like look at it for a second. Even babies, you know, will like push the ball, watch the ball roll. And then you watch them like process that for a second and then go do it again. (laughs) And they, you know, they play with these experiments over and over. Definitely. And we noticed that in my son when he was learning how to walk. Um, Like if he would fall down after 10 steps, he'd go back and do exactly what he did first. Mm. 
to then be able to do 15 steps because he was trying to figure out which part of it made him fall. (laughs) And so just even looking at that, you're like, wow, they really do just, they, they test their hypothesis and they keep trying and they try to figure it out. And that, that level of curiosity, it's something that I've, I mean, like I said, I've always had because that was cultivated in me, but it was renewed when I had a child because it was, I get to see things through his eyes. Like he thinks baking soda and vinegar is magical. And so to take a step back and you think like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess if that's the first time you've ever seen this, that would be exciting. And so to remember that, that yeah, it might be in your kitchen, but it's really impactful. Yeah. I love that. Um, so let's get into some of the experiments that you've come up with so that uh, listeners at home can try it with their kids. So my understanding is that a lot of these experiments are for ages four to six is like the target. You know, we all know that there are some three-year-olds that can handle certain things and some that can't. So, you know, your kids, listeners, um, but that's the general age that we're targeting here. Yes. Yeah. Um, I would say you can really do this with any age. The way that I explain it to parents is that it's just the level at which you describe it. So for a two-year-old, you might do all of it and have them watch it. For a three-year-old, maybe they start to help you pour. The four-year-old, maybe they start to do, you know, like different levels of it. And so um, I think that there's not really a too young to introduce the exciting part of science. Um, But the explanations, yeah, I think that's more in the four to seven range. (laughs) Yeah. So for the first experiment, um, it's called Dancing Raisins. And I just love it because... I, well, one, my nanny kids are really um, interested in raisins right now. So I think that this would be a hit. And, uh, and two, I just, I love that all of it includes things that you could find in your kitchen. So for this um, experiment, what do nannies and caregivers need to gather up before they get started? Yeah, this one, I, I personally love baking soda and vinegar. There's just so much you can do with it. And nearly everybody has access to it. Um, It might be something you may have to run out to the store to get, but it's also very cheap to get. Um, And so what you need is warm water, a glass, you need two teaspoons of baking soda, and then you need vinegar. Um, I think I probably use white vinegar. Um, today all I have is apple cider vinegar. I would just use whatever you've got on hand Um, and, and raisins. Um, you could also use, uh, popcorn kernels. I've heard work really well. Um, and then my son, I don't know what it is about raisins, but he's obsessed with craisins. (laughs) So I imagine those would work as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, um, you could probably try a few different things, but what you do is you put the warm water into a glass and you fill it about halfway. And you wanna put that glass in a tray just in case it bubbles over a bit um, so that it doesn't make a mess everywhere. And what you do is you add baking soda to the warm water and stir it up a little bit to let it dissolve a little. And then you add the raisins to the bottom and then you fill the cup rest of the way up with vinegar Mm. and watch it in the 
raisins start to rise and fall and rise and fall and they look like they're dancing. Um, the reason popcorn kernels might work a little better is they're a little lighter. It just depends on how right. dense the raisins are. But what happens is in this chemical reaction, carbon dioxide is produced and these little bubbles, that's what's inside the bubble, get it, it um, attaches itself to the wrinkles of the raisin. And because gases are less dense than liquids, it pulls the raisin with it. Um, so they, they're along for the ride. And as the bubble pops, then the raisin falls. And so, but then it might catch another bubble and rise again and then fall. So it's, it's a fun one to watch. That is, that's so fun. And, and I, I love the idea with kids, like there are times that I, as an adult have um, thought, okay, well, we'll do this once and then they'll probably be over it. And in working with children for, I'm going on nine years now, I've discovered that especially at this age, this is not just a one-off thing that kids will want to do. Um, and so what do you need to do to like reset? Do you have to, like once the bubbles all run out, you, you basically start over, right? Correct. Yeah, you okay. would start over. Um, I've seen versions of this that if you don't happen to have baking soda and vinegar, I believe you can just use like um, a cinnamon up Sprite, um, a mm. clear bubbly drink um that already has the bubbles in it if you're if you don't have the supplies that should work as well um but yeah you would have to need to reset because that reaction had already been used up all the ingredients right um, okay perfect but I totally agree these experiments this is something as a parent I was really surprised by and I don't know why I was because I used to be a kid but repetition right <laughs> yeah. different activities I'll think, okay, I'll just do this once for an Instagram post to share with followers and stuff. And then my son, will be like, can we do this again right now? And I'm like, again, right now, we just <laughs> did this. Or he'll ask every day for a whole week to do it. And by the end of the week, he can start to explain some of the things. And so that's really cool to see. So you're right. This is a great one to just keep doing over and over. And you can try different things too. You could say, all right, you guys want to try cold water? Like, does that change anything? Let's try popcorn kernels or craisins. What might be different? Do you think this would still, why aren't we using cola? And that would be because you can't see it as well. But right. there are different, different questions they could ask and having them think through what they think is making the raisins dance, providing evidence for their um, claims that they've got, which is another skill that kids can learn really early. Yeah, yeah. I And I... And I think it's an important skill, right? Because you mentioned earlier that your son sometimes sees it as magic. And so something that I would love to hear your thoughts on is this idea of like the balance when we're teaching kids of like keeping that magic, keeping that curiosity, and then also talking about the science behind it of, um, you know, not taking it too far into like cold, hard science facts, but also following the learning as it's happening. How do you, how do you find that balance? Um, so one of the things that I personally, um, I think that science is always interesting. Um, I think that when we start calling them facts is when it starts to not be, um, because right. a 
baking soda and vinegar bubbling is always cool. Like even as an adult, you're like, huh, that's, <laughs> that's a reaction. Um, but like getting into the chemical formula might be the part that's a little less interesting, but it's, I think these science experiments are always exciting. So I don't think we need to really keep kids excited. I think it's more, we just need to make sure that these opportunities that were already exciting, we just tie a little vocabulary and information with it. So um, what I like to do with my son, and he's probably gonna drive his kindergarten teacher nuts when he starts, <laughs> is that I always talk about solids, liquids, and gases just all the time. Like, mm. so is the floor a solid, liquid, or a gas? And he'll stomp his foot and be like, mm, feels like a solid. Um, or it's like, is this a liquid or not? And he'll go, oh, this is wet. Yes, it's a liquid. Mm. And so like just getting that skill down of classifying something that simple will help a lot when you get to the concepts. Because then when you see a balloon blow up or you see these bubbles you're like hmm, that's a gas like you just know that because it's no longer a liquid or a solid um right. and I think that that doesn't take away any of the fun of it and then honestly a child being able to explain something to another adult um that's exciting for them yes. to be able to share that with grandma or their parent um or a sibling to be able to explain that is really powerful and empowering for them yeah, yes, I love that so much. Um, and and so th the next one that I have here is is a similar idea to the first one, but with a twist, which I love because you're not really getting out, <laughs> you know, a ton of other supplies. It's still baking soda and vinegar, um, and you're you're looking at those bubbles that are created. But in this one, um, we you potentially work with the kid to help them try to capture the gas that's being released? Yeah, so this one is actually, um, you can do with dancing raisins, um, or this could be something you start with. Um, I wouldn't say these have to be in any specific order, but the baking soda and vinegar reaction, this is one that you can do with younger kids and they can help you because vinegar is, I mean, it's very mild. Right. <laughs> so you could have them pour all the stuff. Like I have Charlie scoop the baking soda or pour it out of the box. And then you add as much vinegar as the kid wants and just watch it. And then you ask them to talk about what they see. What do they hear? What do they think is happening? And even just that level is exciting and they're learning something. Um, and then you can start to attach when they want to do it again, you can start using the language like baking soda is a solid and vinegar, let's feel it, it's wet. What is wet? Oh, a liquid's wet. And then after you add it, ask what changed. Mm. Getting them to just focus on change really helps them pick out reactions. Um, and so then for an older kid or a kid who's done this enough times that they already know that answer that a gas is formed, you say, where did the gas go? Like, is there a way we could capture that? And then you can design an experiment with them. Like ultimately you end up with a clear water bottle with a balloon on top to capture the gas, but maybe that's not their first way they come up with and you, you test it, you know, like if their balloon didn't blow up, maybe they thought to just lay a balloon on top of it and nothing happened, you know, cause they didn't think about a closed system. That's fine. You just keep moving them forward. Like, okay, well, if that didn't work, how could you fix, how could you change that to maybe, maybe collect it? And, you know, maybe it takes them 10 tries to get there, but that's fine. Um, 
when children are learning to walk, we give them the freedom to fall down and make mistakes. We should do the same in our learning. Yes. Yes. And I, I say it all the time on this podcast, but something that we as nannies have that even parents don't have sometimes is this gift of time, right? Because our whole job is to be present with the children. And so I love this idea of like allowing them to explore and, you know, really not putting like a time cap on it of if they're watching these raisins dance for 30 minutes, then, you know, you've got 30 minutes of, of asking questions and bantering back and forth with the kid and seeing where their imagination goes and their curiosity goes. And that's so lovely. And I think sometimes as nannies, we forget that we have such a gift with the amount of time that we have with kids. Absolutely. And my son is really obsessed with color right now and using food coloring. So Mm. you might even have the child say, well, I wonder if we could make the raisins dance in yellow water. Does it work with yellow? And like they might test out all the colors and obviously it's going to work with all of them, but they don't know that. And so for them to build that piece of information that all food coloring must be created equal right now, you know, like the it's it's um it's a powerful thing for you to come up with something with evidence to, in yeah. your in your mind and so then they can take that and then in another experiment down the road they could say like oh it doesn't matter what color i pick it's still going to do it you know um instead of you just you were a teacher in school because you know school has cookbook labs so they're very like you follow the rules and you come up with the product and then you're you're graded on how close you got to the product this is more of you coming up with that information on your own and that's just so much more powerful yes very much so um yeah and i i think that's really important to um to model for kids that like we have the time. <laughs> um, and those questions that you ask are really important. Um, as I'm hearing you talk, I love hearing how you think through those questions. And and you mentioned like focusing on asking them what changed is a really great way to like cue them um, to look at it through a certain lens. Do you have other phrases like that um, that help you when you are having these conversations? Because I I can see a listener or myself even being a little intimidated because I don't consider myself super sciencey, right? Not that I don't love science. I do love science, but I don't consider myself as sciencey. And so sometimes I struggle, I think, with my own, you know, imposter syndrome of like, who am I to ask these kids any questions about this? Absolutely. Um, Well, one, you're a human being who has went through the world, you know, and like I said, the the world is filled with science. So you don't have to be a scientist to see it or help explain it. Um, I would say in terms of asking questions, the who, what, where, why, like you just Mm -hmm. start to think like how, um, how and why are where we're trying to get students in school. Like you want them to be able to explain how something is happening. What are the molecules doing? And then why is it having that effect? So if when you have a, a younger child, getting them to first observe the what, 
um, be, be able to describe what in details? Like what color do you see? Do you see bubbles? Do you hear a sound? Um, some reactions get a little warm, um, things like that. So you could start incorporating thermometers to see if there's a change in temperature. Like just um, a lot of the I how bet, questions. I bet that would go really well right now too, because so many kids are having their temperature taken. So I think for them to have like, this feeling of autonomy of they get to take some something's temperature. I just, I think that that would tie in, in really well to pandemic life. That's so funny. Cause I never considered that. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just like you said, where you're not sure what questions. Sometimes there are things with um, the way kids approach stuff that I'm like, Oh yeah, that would work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely. You could take the temperature of it. You just think of properties that different things have. Um, so like, is it hard? Is it soft? Do you think that changed? Uh, what color changed? Um, it's state of matter. And you know, if you don't feel comfortable with the questions, there are loads of places on the internet to look at ways to do that. So there are people like me who have Instagram accounts or YouTube channels or websites dedicated to like, different experiments and you can look up a whole video and see what they asked mm. and you can also see the explanation and it's really it's a big moment for a child to understand that adults learn too and right. so showing that you don't know something in front of a child is really good because <laughs> they understand that learning is lifelong it's a lifelong endeavor and you you had to look something up so that's you learned something with them. And that is, that's a good moment for a child to have. And so I always encourage parents to head over to YouTube or Google the, the experiment you're about to do and watch it together or watch it after you did it and see how yours compared. Um, but a lot of the questions are compare and contrast before and after really. And it's yeah. about getting the kids to make observations and then try to explain something with those, but that at four to six is not necessarily going to happen, but it could. Um, but that's where you're trying to lead them is to be able to then use those observations to help explain what they think is happening. And then you let them be wrong. Um, so if they say they think that the baking soda turned into a gas and it rose, they'd be like, okay, let's, let's think on that, you know, and like, what can we do to maybe prove that? or just leave it for a bit. Cause it'll always get fixed in the end. Um, right. We don't want to shut them down because I feel like that's when kids do start to lose interest is they see these exciting things, but they've been told they're wrong and they just mm -hmm. shut down. Um, and I think it's good to encourage that, that curiosity. Yes. Yes. I completely agree with that of, uh, yeah, when we get so focused, so hyper-focused on like, well, they have to understand how it works. It's like, well, no, <laughs> they like, they'll get there. I, I tell parents all the time, like your, your child is not going to go to college, not knowing how to read, you know, like <laughs> it's okay. They'll get it. We don't, they don't need to understand literally everything right now. Exactly. <laughs> and you've got to take that even a step further is that 
I know when I went through school, I did a lot of the book learning of where like I memorized equations and facts. And I, I remember vividly while I was dating my husband, we um, were on a date and the tire pressure was off in the winter. And he was like, could you explain to me why that happened? And I was like, PV equals NRT. And it's like the gas laws. <laughs> he was right. like, that means literally nothing to me. Like, explain it. And I'm like, I, the equation told me that as one goes up, the other goes down, you know? And he was like, you can't explain at the molecular level what's happening. <laughs> like, no, I have no idea because I only ever focused on the right answer, not what was happening. <laughs> yeah. So the goal I have with my child, and I think education has shifted a bit to be less about facts, but it's more about understanding why things are happening, that how and why instead of the what. And so that's something I try to keep going in my son at home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. So the last experiment I have here, and I love that they do kind of like intertwine, build on each other, they can be used interchangeably, I, I would think, um, is blowing up balloons. So like blowing up balloons without your own air in this experiment. Um, so we're working with that lemon, with that vinegar and baking soda again, but maybe adding like lemon juice and lime juice to the supplies that we're putting in front of the child. Um, yeah, this one is super fun and it's a nice extension of the last one we talked about with just baking soda and vinegar. So if this child comes up with that balloon idea you had, you know, like they could do part of this as right. that of adding the balloon to the bottle, or you could just jump straight into this and set these three up and do baking soda. What you do is you take a balloon and you pour baking soda into the balloon I think it's like two tablespoons. I've got it on my website of what you need for it. Um, but you fill the balloon, you can use a funnel or a spoon. This part is really messy. So I would do it over the sink. Um, you fill it so that it's probably a quarter full in the balloon. I wouldn't put too much in it because you're gonna need to take that balloon then. Um, I just skipped a step, sorry about that. You pour the liquid that you're testing into the bottle and you need a couple inches of it. Um, that just depends on what you've got on hand. Um, you don't want to fill it too far because then the reaction might pop the balloon, but you, um, just a couple of inches. So then you carefully, very carefully, you take the edges of the balloon and put it around the lip of the bottle without spilling the baking soda into the bottle. So you just have it kind of hanging off to the side. Um, and when you're ready, you lift it or you have the child lift it and the baking soda starts to fall from the balloon down into the bottle. And as it goes, it will start to inflate because that carbon dioxide is being captured inside the balloon inflating. Um, I have a lot of fun doing this one with, um, you can use time-lapse on your camera Ooh. and you can make a little video of it happening or even just taking a video of it happening to show the kid. I like time-lapses because they, um, they're, they're not a complete repeat of what we just did. Um, it just shows moments in time. And my son actually asks for time-lapse things now because he knows I, I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but this one's fun because maybe your lemon juice is more concentrated than your lime juice. Does one inflate more than the other? What observations are you making? You know, um, and then you could, the kid could be like, oh, I think all liquids do this. So test water with it and see what happens. Um, you have a lot of options. The one, I, I guess you call them pro tips. I would <laughs> say pro tip. Um, I learned this because I accidentally did this. When you pull the balloon off at the end of this experiment, hold it away from your face because <laughs> oh. I flung lemon juice into my eye and it did not feel amazing. Oh. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, I, I made like the chemist no-no error of not wearing my glasses or goggles while I was doing this and yeah. definitely got lemon in my eye. So um, <laughs> I would say be careful with that. But other than that, this is, a, this is something I think Charlie did almost this entirely by himself. I think I filled the balloons with baking soda and this was when he was three when we did this. So oh, um, this is definitely something little kids can help with for sure. Yeah. And then um, one of my last questions is what other, I mean, I know like literally you could go around your whole house and find science experiments or on a walk outside, you know, you can find science things to talk about. Um but what are some of your like go-to around the house? We talked about sorting a little bit. We talked about like solid liquid gas. Like what are some of your, we're just hanging out in the house. Let's chat about science subjects. I would say I don't have as many of those because we are a science family. Right. <laughs> so I have, so it's like have, everything it's all water. <laughs> yeah. I have all the science toys. Um, but no, I turn everything into a science or math or art experiment. So like the other day we had some granola, um, and we were making parfaits out of it and he used a pattern and we made patterns out of it. And it was a math activity, but he had to decide whether it went fruit, yogurt, granola, and then we had to keep repeating it. And it's like that in itself is math. Right. Um, and so even just something as simple as that, or like we made popsicles this summer and we talked about, well, if we were gonna make the popsicle, how would we do it? And he, he thought, at first, and this was really hard for me as a scientist to keep moving forward as a parent and let encourage him. <laughs> um, but he thought if we put it outside that it would mm. work. So I bought a nice tray that was just for this task. And we filled it with water and set it outside on a 90 degree day. And he saw <laughs> that the water just got hot. And actually after the end of the day, it was gone. <laughs> so oh, wow. he was like, oh, well, this, this didn't go the way I thought. I'm like, okay, let's fill it back up. And where would we try now? And then he thought the oven maybe. And so it was like, okay, let's do the oven. And the oven didn't do it. And it was like, okay, well, what do we have left? He's like, you could do the freezer. And then when that worked, it clicked for him. And then snow started to make sense, you know, that it got cold. So it froze. And so he goes back to that moment. And so I think, I, I like to boil things down to the simplest, you know, that mm -hmm. did this mix? Did it not mix? Um, is it a solid or liquid or a gas? Did it require cold or hot? Um, is it a chemical change or a physical change? We do that with s'mores or when mm. we cook. It's like when this chocolate melted, is it still chocolate? Yes, it's still chocolate. But after you burned your marshmallow, that is, I can never turn that white again that is now burned. So something happened to it and that's chemical. We don't get into what is that 
like what's the charge, like what's the chemical reaction, just the fact that this thing we're doing is science and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Um, and I also love just asking kids, is that a solid liquid or gas? Um, I think that that's such a wonderfully easy way to involve science. And, and like you were saying, kids and humans naturally love to categorize things. So it also, you know, just kids in my experience light up when you ask them to categorize something and they feel like they can do it. Well, they feel empowered because they, their way was different than someone else's. And it was, you made it legitimate by having them explain it. And that's something that that's another thing, like you mentioned, that you'd be surprised like to see a kid do. Um, after I wrote my book about categorizing things in science, I read these to kids and I'll be in a group with a preschool class and they'll come up with something I never thought of. <laughs> and I'll be like, wow, that's right. You were totally right. That is a way to categorize these four objects that I never would have considered. Um, and like my son sometimes will say like, well, you could eat this one and it's not good to eat the other three. And it's like, <laughs> that is, that's correct. And you, you move on. It's like, even just looking at it that way, being able to say why you think something, it makes the child feel like their opinion matters, mm-hmm. but not even that's just an opinion that they were able to back it up. Right. And I think that that is something that we definitely in all of our societies need to work on. Yeah. backing up our um, statements with some evidence. Yes, completely agree. And yeah, fostering that skill from a young age, so powerful. Well, if um, listeners are wondering how they can watch some of your Instagram or YouTube or read your books or, or anything like that, where can they find out more information about you? So the best place to catch me is on Instagram. I have, um, we post every weekday of a video or a picture of some sort of activity for kids. Um, They're often science, um, they are often themed. So I have a really cool one coming up where um, I'm doing pre-K from home with my son during quarantine. And he's really interested in learning about jobs and wearing costumes right now. So I'm going to have themed ones that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. So like a fireman week where we do an art project, we do a science project and he gets to wear a costume one day. And so um, that's a good place to find me is there. And then let's learn about science.com is where you can find out where you can get my book, what podcasts I'm on and stuff like that. Um, Wonderful. And both of those are down in the show notes. So if you are listening and driving or doing dishes or whatever, do not fear. They're down there for you. Um, (laughs) You can just click on them. (laughs) Yeah. And the book um, I wanted to point out is I know that during quarantine, this is hard to find things and libraries Mm -hmm. might be closed. um, But I made the ebook. 99 cents so that it's really easy to download. Oh, <laughs> um, wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So if you can't get your hands on a physical copy, I, I do think the physical copy is better because you can hold it and like touch it, but right. the ebook is also a great option and it's really affordable. Yes. That's wonderful. Um, 
Well, great. Is there anything else before we close out with a cute, fun story? Is there anything else you wanted to say? I don't think so, unless you had any other questions. No, we covered really, really wonderful ground. And I, after having talked with you, I feel more empowered to talk about science with kids. And I know that seems silly, but, um, but I, I really appreciate the way that um, you approach integrating science into your day as a that, caregiver. That warms my heart because that is exactly what I try to do. And with my book, my husband isn't a scientist. Um, he loves science. Like he's, he probably reads more science periodical, like for the public things than I do, because it's my living. I get right. tired of reading <laughs> sometimes. Um, yes. And so he read my first draft of my book and told me, he's like, this is so off-putting to a non-scientist. I would be like, I'm not qualified to share this with my child. And I was right. like, oh, well, I need to work on that then, you know? And so we, I worked with a developmental editor to help me even take it a different step. And uh, so the book should be able to be, it's not technical, but like a plug and play. Like you should be able to anybody, whether you're afraid of science, you're intimidated by it's not your thing. You should be able to watch my Instagram. You should be able to read the book and just like jump and run with it. So that's my goal is to make parents feel so much more confident in themselves because they have life experience that they're downplaying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What a, what a wonderful goal. Um, and I, I, you're really doing it. Cause I do, I feel very empowered to to talk more um, with my nanny kiddos about science and things like that and just incorporating it into our day. Um, well, great. So we end each episode with a cute, fun story and Dr. Ryan has brought one, I think. <laughs> well, I have a four-year-old who is very curious and we joke that we think he's smarter than either of us put together. <laughs> Um, cause he comes up with all these things, but when we, so on Instagram, he is my sidekick and we do a lot of videos and we do a lot of experiments and it's so cute. <laughs> um, after naps, we let him watch a cartoon if he took a good nap. Um, it's, it's really worked for him because he will go to sleep to have a little screen time and, uh, he'll wake up and I'll say, okay, do you want to watch a cartoon? And he'll go, no, mommy, could we learn instead? Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, cause we have this, <laughs> we have a big shelf in the basement of a lot of Lakeshore learning toys, mm -hmm. um, they're yes. like magnet games and stuff. And he'll be like, mommy, can we learn now? And it's just so cute to see his, how excited he is about learning. Um, or there's a, one of the Instagram videos we have uh, where he goes, can we do science now? Oh. <laughs> and it's just adorable that he like, <laughs> he just, he likes to do that. Um, so I think that's probably the cute story I would go with. Is that cute enough? <laughs> That is so cute. That is adorable. I love that. Can we do science now? Yeah. And then when he wakes up and asks if he can learn, like, yes, can we, we used to be able to bribe him with broccoli. He loved broccoli. He was amazing. I know he, we made the choice. We lived abroad for a bit and he didn't, it was easier to keep sugar out of his diet. Right. Elsewhere. Um, and when we came back to the U S it was harder to, do that. And he just got really used to having apples as a snack and things. Mm -hmm. And so 
he would be like, but please, can we please have broccoli? And it's like, okay, I guess if you're a good boy. (laughs) Oh, oh, I love that so much. And (laughs) yes, I, I, um, I used to, I, I interviewed um, my nannies for this and I apparently I used to pretend like I was a giant and um, that the broccoli was trees. And so I was very into broccoli because I wanted to feel like a giant. That is so cute. <laughs> so um, your son and I have something in common. We both have really liked broccoli at times in our lives. <laughs> um, my mom finds it particularly funny because when I was little, I was obsessed with peas. Mm. And I had an aunt who also liked peas and I would walk up to people at three and go, I like peas. Do you like peas? My aunt Kathy likes peas. <laughs> so my mom will make jokes that yeah, Charlie does similar with that, but with like broccoli. <laughs> and, uh, um, so he thinks it's funny that he has something in common with me because he now yeah. understands the stories of mommy when she was little. And so now he'll even joke about it and be like, I like peas. Do you like peas, mommy? <laughs> Yes, yes, I do. I love them. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Um, I haven't well, asked them if they're solids, liquids, or gases yet. Oh. Does know that they're plants. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a good question. I love that. <laughs> That'll be my next one. <laughs> yes, yes, love it. Um, well, thank you so much, Stephanie. I really appreciate you taking time to walk us through that. That was. Uh, just a delight. Oh, I'm so glad. And if you ever want to do it again with, I've got tons of experiments, always happy to talk science. (laughs) Yes, I would love that. We'll set it up. Um, Well, wonderful. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. The Chronicles of Nannia is produced and hosted by Martha Tyler. Artwork by Noni Blastodon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudios.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details.